Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days, no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io and let's talk about your SaaS project today. Today we have Danielle Simpson, previously of Feedback Panda. Feedback Panda solves the problem of saving time in your workflow for English as second language teachers. She used to be one of these teachers and pitched the idea to solve this issue to her boyfriend, Arvid, who is a software engineer, and the two of them built the software for these teachers. The company grew to 55,000 MRR before selling to SureSwift Capital in 2019. Today, we'll talk about how Danielle and her co-founder came up with the idea and how they scaled it and then sold it. How are you today, Danielle? I'm well, thank you, Jordy. Good, good. Okay, great. Maybe we should start with, like, what's your background? Tell us about your background. Sure. Yeah, so I am a trained opera singer. I'm a teacher. I teach yoga. I teach meditation, dance, singing, of course. And yeah, I'm now also an entrepreneur. Okay. And I was teaching uh, English as a second language as well. In Germany, Yep. So after I finished my master's in opera singing, I moved mm -hmm. to Germany to audition and to sing and perform. And as a side gig, I was teaching English as a second language online mm -hmm. for uh, Chinese kid English schools. So they had a platform for teaching English online in a one-on-one -on -one kind of video call situation. And I found myself doing that in January of 2017. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's how this all got started. Okay. So this platform is like an italki or Lingoda or something like that. One of these platforms. That's exactly are, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The platform that I was specifically teaching for was called VIP Kid. Okay. Okay, great. So you're doing this as a side gig, uh, waiting for your next opera singing gig. And tell me about the problem that you came up with. So I was, uh, as I said, the, the classes were one-on-one. -on -one, and after every class, you're required to submit uh, a short feedback on every lesson. Mm -hmm. And as the, uh, you know, this is really gig work. So you're not guaranteed any bookings from, from students. You really have to do your own marketing, write a bio, do a video. And then a lot of your bookings come from having a high rating as a teacher. So you want to have a five-star rating and really stellar reviews from students that you have. Mm -hmm. So it was really important to me to develop um, strong relationships with the students. And the way I 
knew to do that was, um, you know, keeping copious amounts of notes on every lesson I had with these individual students. So I had a Word document where I would put in, you know, their favorite color, what their siblings' names were, you know, where they lived, what they're interested in, all of these things that really enrich the learning experience. And especially online, it's very important that you use any resource that you have. And then the feedback part of um, this administrative work that goes into teaching was also taking up a lot of time for me. Mm -hmm. So um, I would teach, especially at the beginning when I found this online English school, um, I would teach as much as I like possibly could. I would teach between 24 and 26 students a day. Mm -hmm. And that, those were half hour time slots. So, um, and then you have to submit a feedback for each one of those students, which was again about five minutes per student. Mm -hmm. um, so this was a lot of work after teaching was over outside of the classroom and that work was unpaid. So mm -hmm. what I did was I developed a simple Excel spreadsheet to try to get this work to scale a little bit more, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I developed templates that I could use for repeat lessons. So that was my original solution for this problem of needing essentially a CRM for, for the students that I was seeing, and then a, a better way to deal with the feedback. Okay. So as I understand, my experience with this is that it's mostly handled in the platform. Is that correct? But you're saying that this was not handled in the, or maybe you need to tell me more about what you actually, what Feedback Panda was doing. Cause I'm imagining like in my head, like, you know, when you finish a book and it sends you this thing, rate, rate the book, is that sort of, uh, and you give five stars or like when we see when the apps are doing that and you leave a little comment, is that what you're talking about? Or is it different for the teachers? It, it is quite similar to that. I mean, what we were doing was giving feedback to the students. So feedback is critical when you're learning anything new, any new skill. It's really important to know what to practice, where your shortcomings are and where you mm -hmm. need to really like focus your attention. And so this was very unique for every student. Uh -huh. But what wasn't unique was the course content. So this okay. made it easy to make a template to then, you know, you, you would have your framework for what was in the lesson. And then you could just say how the student performed around those different topics. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. so, so this wasn't handled in the platform. This okay. was all, you know, custom, a custom requirement for each of those lessons. Um, and it wasn't paid. It was required to get paid, but it wasn't paid time. Okay, so you went to Arvand and you asked him, says, I'm having this problem, can you solve this for me? Or what was the, what was the sort of idea when you went to him? Yeah, so I already had this kind of system that was working for me in a very uh, no-code way, I guess you could say, yeah. with this um, you know, document and Excel sheet. And then one day when I was, you know, preparing for classes, I saw the URL had three distinct numbers in it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, if those tell me anything about the student or anything about the course, there's a probability that this could be automated. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that's exactly what it corresponded to. The student number was in the URL and also the curriculum, the course that you were supposed to be teaching that day was also in the URL. So, you know, as soon as I saw that, the light bulb went off for me and I pulled Arvid in to to check that I was seeing this correctly. And sure enough, he, he checked it as well. And so we essentially... Um, at that point saw that there was a potential for a automated solution where I didn't you know, need to scroll through my Excel sheet to find this data about this particular student. Mm-hmm. You could essentially build a browser extension and do this with a click of a button. Okay. And so at the, in, in the beginning, was the idea, was he going to solve it just for you or what were you thinking? Was the yeah, idea, exactly. Okay. I mean, there was, of course, some... Um, dreams, you know, we had been looking for something that we could work on together. As I said before, I'm a a yoga and meditation teacher. So I, we were kind of thinking maybe it's going to be a meditation app or, you know, maybe there's something that we can work on together. So we were already kind of primed on the lookout for something that we could work on a SAS. but you were thinking SAS, yeah absolutely yeah. a SAS. but um with feedback panda we really didn't want to get ahead of ourselves we really did focus on just building a product with one customer in mind me to get me through um all of these esl reports that i had to do okay so how much time did it take for him to build this first version that just works for you. Yeah, Arvid built the first like prototype, like the first functioning prototype was built in about a week and a half. Okay, it's great. It was, um, yeah, it was amazing. And it already uh, cut down a lot of the time that I spent doing feedback already just in in that first prototype. But Mm. we then like workshopped it and I guess dog feeding is the the SaaS term for mm-hmm. using the product yourself, and and we really worked very closely in this you know feedback loop where he would implement a change that I would request, and then I would use it the next day and give him feedback, and so I was really you know directing how I saw the product working okay. for my specific job, the company that I was working for. Okay. So the platform that you use, can people get requests like outside? I'm trying to visualize the platform. So are you getting different requests from different platforms or how did the students find you? So for VIP Kid and many of these Chinese Kid English companies, mm-hmm. these companies have their own sales team. They handle all of the sales for the ESL courses in China. And then they also were like very heavily marketing themselves to American teachers, American stay-at-home moms, you know, native English speakers who could, could teach on the platform. So we didn't have to go out and find students to teach, but we were like making the experience uh, making ourselves unique as possible so that we could get bookings. Right. And that's yeah. why the reviews are so important in the background. So you could, someone just comes quickly and scans a profile and says, okay, this person's got, you know, 150 five-star reviews and this person only has four. I'm going to go with the one with the 150. That's essentially the importance of reviews for you then. Exactly. And the at the beginning, the VIP kid school had 5,000 teachers 
at the beginning okay. for me is when I started teaching. So in 2017 okay. in January, when I became a teacher, there were 5,000 teachers. Okay. And in the span of two years, they grew to 70,000 teachers. All so in this really VIP kid. All in this VIP. one company okay. alone. Yes. Okay. So it was really important to set yourself apart. Okay, perfect. So uh, when you were doing this, you were saying, okay, if this works for me, then the idea was you could sell to each one of those accounts, not to the platform, but to the, each person would get it as a separate plugin. Is that, was that the idea? Exactly. So the teachers were in this kind of in-between field where they weren't quite seeing themselves as entrepreneurs yet, where they would mm -hmm. need like a business tool to help them do their job. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was part of our marketing was was helping the teachers see that they are actually a small business you know they need tools to help them scale their work as well okay. um so that's where feedback panda came in and helped them for me you know i would work on feedback for two hours after teaching and that's though that's time, two yeah. hours that i yeah. wouldn't be able to to teach yeah uh so so vip does it have a marketplace then is that how it works? Like you can come in and develop these apps and place the app in there. And then people that can selectively choose sort of like a WordPress or MindBody or something where, where they come in and they can choose the additional apps or how, I mean, talk about the rollout then of, of getting this to the other people that were using it. Yeah, exactly. It, it had to go from one user to, to many at some point. So I knew where the teachers hung out. There was okay. no marketplace for, you know, for apps, you know, like WordPress okay. kind of has these plugins. Um, we, I knew that there was Facebook groups where teachers were sharing information and resources. There were private groups um, associated with the company where we shared resources. So what I was just always on these groups looking for what other problems are teachers having? What do we need to solve here? How can we help them? And it was about three or four months after this initial prototype that we built that we actually said, you know, this is what we have. You know, so actually it was somebody um, wrote the post in a Facebook group, how do you deal with feedback? Mm -hmm. And I was the first person to respond and I just said, I use Feedback Panda with the, the link. And um, I think, it would have been maybe a week or two after that, that we would have actively, you know, went um, to the Facebook group to show that what we had been working on, mm -hmm. but that kind of already solving the problem that somebody presented was just a really, really great timing for us yeah. to just act quickly and, and let people come to the product. Um, and, even after, you know, that three months, I still didn't really feel like the product was finished. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like there's still more that we can improve on that, you know, there was still more to do or to clean up or, you know, just to make it uh, to do some more UX. And, but it was actually really crucial that we let customers come check out the product and then get this really great feedback from them before we, you know, quote unquote, had a finished product. So did you just decide to let in like 15 beta users or how did, what was the rollout like? No, it was, uh, we had a 30 day trial and okay. it was so just- So you really uh, just, that was sort of that Facebook post really was your launch then? 
That was yeah, that was essentially exactly. a launch, yeah. And how many yeah. users came in from from that initial post? Do you think? So we, like I said, the timing of the post was really good, but we mm. were about to go on vacation. We we had this two week vacation in Canada planned to see my family, but the uh -huh. timing was so perfect with this post that I thought we better act on this. And uh, so about I would say I guess fifty people signed up from that post wow, that that's day. Great. Yeah, And uh, even, you know, some people tried to pay for the product already that day, which funny story. So it was free. It, it, we had time. a, yeah, we had a 30 day trial. It was never a completely free product. Mm -hmm. um, we always had a subscription based model mm -hmm. as it was $5 a month for like a basic plan. And then we had a professional plan that was $10 a month. Okay. And the first person who tried to sign up for that $10 a month plan wasn't able to because we had forgotten to switch out the test key from Stripe. Oh, really? Yeah. So we hadn't okay. activated the, <laughs> the uh -huh. Stripe. Yeah. Um, so they weren't able to pay, but that was, um, that was a really great problem to have. And we quickly reached out to them. We had a, a messenger, like uh, something like intercom, but a little bit more uh, simple mm -hmm. at that time where we, you know, to talk to them okay. right away and and made sure that they were able to pay yeah okay so it started at, at five to ten is that all you had two plans five and ten yeah we had two plans and then we thought okay this five dollar plan is really not um like people are seeing the value in mm -hmm. our product that we don't need to have this like lower level plan so we just um i guess it wasn't 2000 18, like January 1st, we totally got rid of the $5 a month plan. Leading up to that, I think we gave them, the teachers, a couple months to say, like, we're going to, let me backtrack a little bit here, yeah. because a couple months after we launched, we ended up making a yearly plan as well. Okay. So it was, uh, I think it was 100 and $10 a year for this okay. yearly plan. Mm -hmm. And then when we got rid of the, the $5 a month plan, we just kind of said, like, let's lock in. Like, if you want to keep this plan, then we'll keep everybody who is currently on the $5 a month plan, they can stay on this $5 a month plan. But after this hard date, the plan is not going okay. to exist anymore. But it stayed at 10, it stayed at $10. Yeah. $10. There was no like $30 plan or anything like that. No. Okay. Okay. So, so you said three to four months, how much time do you think that Arvind was really putting it? Like if you could put a dollar value on your MVP, could you do that in terms of his time? Like, did he have a full-time job and he was doing this two, three hours a day or what was his time um, yeah. commitment to that MVP? So it was exactly that. It was about two or three hours a day after his full-time job. He was um, living in Berlin, commuting to Hamburg for a full-time position three days a week. And then he worked from home two days a week. Okay. So in those evenings, you know, he would spend the, you know, stay in a hotel in Hamburg and really just work on the product. And I guess that was... Probably the first few months, yeah, I guess, yeah, 10, 
I guess, 80 hours that he would put into to building the product. And it's really hard to measure because once we <laughs> had, right. like, we were just so um, motivated and he was motivated to solve the problem for me. And I saw the potential of this product and how much it could help the teachers that um, I don't even think we paid attention to how much time we were putting in into the product. Okay. Let's call it between in less than 200 hours, we'll say, right? Would you yes. say that's accurate? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. So not a huge commitment of time. 200 hours is basically something that a full-time developer could do in a month. Well, I think that's that sounds right. But you, you stretch it out because he's working full-time. Um, you had something that was good enough to roll out. How was the how was the first month with the users' feedback? Can you tell? Did they find problems, or were they loving the product, or what was going on then? They were very generous with their positive feedback, and they it was crucial. Like I said, the product um, was perfect for me. But yeah. once we opened it up to the teachers, suddenly they had so many amazing ideas about how to make it more of a community kind of product. So mm -hmm. not in the community where you can interact with each other, but that you could share resources. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and teachers are also very generous with helping each other. I mean, they just love to share knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so um, some of the great ideas that they had became one of the key features of the product, which was a template database. Mm -hmm. So instead of writing your own templates for various courses that you teach, you could click the browser extension from the classroom, open up Feedback Panda, and then if you didn't have a template saved for this particular course, you could go to, we called it the Feedback Panda Cloud, and mm -hmm. then um, there you could have your choice of, you know, probably 20 to 30 templates that other teachers had prepared. Okay. So this okay. became like almost a variable reward for using Feedback Panda. There was this habit that was part of it because the teachers really needed it for every day doing their jobs. But then mm -hmm. this template database was a very uh, strong resource as well. Did you have to get permission from VIP Kid to put this in, or it was an API connection, or was it a Chrome extension, or how did it? It was work? a Chrome it's extension. Okay. Yeah, so it just uh, sat on top. So, and they were fine. They're obviously you didn't even need their permission then. It was just since it was just a Chrome extension. Okay. So, how was it integrating with other platforms, or did you just focus with VIP Kid because there was enough teachers in there, and you knew the you knew that platform? Is that what you stayed with? That's where we really started, really focused on and got traction with. But then okay. we started building it out for building other integrations for other schools as well. Um, and we attended a conference in Beijing and it felt like, you know, there were so many new kid English companies. Like when we were there, people were saying that you know, a new kid English company is sprouting up every other day just because everybody wanted to help Chinese children learn English. So okay. um, there was no shortage of companies that we could have integrated with, but mm -hmm. we focused on the companies that were also focusing on getting American teachers. Okay. So if we noticed that a teacher was teaching for maybe two or three platforms, 
then we would go with the most popular among the American teachers. Okay. And so what do you figure the size of the market sounds like it was really big, eh? We're talking over 100,000 at least of these people that needed this product? Yes, absolutely. And, and there was nothing else out there that was doing this, at least in this way? No, our solution was unique. There were other feedback specific tools, but mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, we named our product Feedback Panda because this was the real pain that teachers mm -hmm. were feeling around the workload of the English as a second language online. But Feedback Panda really is a CRM. Mm, you know, okay. you can track all of your records around that student and really have a custom, like build a custom experience for that student for that classroom. Okay. So, so CRM just for ESL. Specifically, would you say that it was for the Chinese English market? Was it um, specific to that or no? It was, I mean, because the teachers were teaching for that market, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so um, tell me about the marketing. I mean, obviously you moved away from posting in Facebook groups. Like, What was your channel of growth to get you started at least? So we, we really relied on word of mouth and we really cared about our first customers. So, okay. you know, I grew up in a small town and I know what it's like to do business with small business owners. I feel mm -hmm. like this is something really unique where we did invest a lot of time in those initial users that came to the product, having conversations with them, learning about them, hearing about their pains and really trying to solve them. And mm -hmm. this turned them into advocates for mm -hmm. the product. And then they would go back to, I, I call it the water cooler, you know, for the online Which is communities. mostly these Facebook groups, would you say? Yeah. They're mostly online, yeah. Like, are we some of these like 70,000 ESL teachers? Or what? Yeah. Or they're just like, were there just like, are thirty of them that are like, um, ten thousand? Or what's the community like? Yep. So there's a few really big Facebook groups, which would be around thirty to fifty thousand people mm -hmm. in in these groups. Um, okay. And then there's yeah, there's smaller groups. Were you being really active in that as well, being really helpful with people, like in those groups, answering questions and getting to know, getting to be known in those Facebook groups. Is that was that also what you were doing? I wouldn't say me like as a ESL teacher, I wasn't looking to, you know, build out that brand. But if somebody had a question about Feedback Panda or about feedback or, you know, how to um, just balance the, the workload, then I was there, like in the, in the things that um, kind of were relevant to Feedback Panda. But really, I, I wanted to give the community space. Like I, I definitely was yeah. very careful not to spam or, you know, I wanted to make sure mm -hmm. that all of those interactions were authentic. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing that kind of happened at the beginning of our launch was early adopter created a Facebook group for Feedback Panda. So it was called Feedback Panda Users VIP Kit. It was also very specific. Mm -hmm. And there we really had our, our finger on the pulse of all the conversations around Feedback Panda, what teachers needed, what people were asking for. 
Okay. It sounded like you went to at least one trade event. Was that a big um, channel for you as well? This was when we were kind of on the cusp of really hoping to maybe sell more B2B, like to mm-hmm. really okay. talk to the English companies and see if we could Get actually build out users. a... Exactly. Okay. But I think it was just starting maybe just starting to get some traction in that regard when we decided to sell. Okay. So tell me, getting from zero to 55,000, you did that in roughly two years or was it less than two years? Because that's, I mean, on a $10 product, that's a lot of users. So yeah, were we you have seeing to- most of the, were you doing some content marketing as well? Or was it just literally all in these Facebook groups of people were just sort of being uh, evangelists that were just spreading the word <laughs> for you? So that was early days that we had these uh, advocates for us. And then, then we put a blog on the website, had some content marketing. Uh, my first post was just telling the story about how Feedback Panda began and, you know, telling the story around the company. Um, we contracted one of the prolific template writers to become a blogger mm-hmm. for us. And um, she started uh, writing posts about, you know, how to make the classroom nice and provide great feedback. Yeah, so that was kind of our inbound strategy. And and then for me, it was all about the stories. It was about the stories about me starting the company and also the stories of the other teachers and what teaching online enabled them to do, what Feedback Panda enabled them to do as well. So I'm not a writer. I personally was so ready to- I was going to gonna ask you that, really. No. So, so you- because you're self-funding, right? So you started writing just because there was no funds at all. But um, <laughs> yeah. is that how it was? And then how long was it before? I mean, you're still teaching at this time to pay the bills or what was paying the bills at this time? So I taught until March of 2018. Once we okay. were at 20K, both Arvid and I quit our jobs and thought that that was a comfortable That was in a amount. year, about a year. You took you about a year to get there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So what were the early expenses? It sounds like if, if Arvid was doing the coding and you were doing sort of customer support in the writing, what were some of the expenses getting to 20K? So we were really lucky that uh, a lot of the services that we used had this um, startup plan. So we had some credits for, I think, when we switched to Intercom, we had a few months where we didn't have to pay anything um, just to get started. And I guess the, the big part was the database that we had to, and the server fees. So some hosting. Yeah. Yeah, some hosting stuff, which which is reasonable when you're just getting going because as you say it's Mm -hmm. mostly done by usage anyway so if you just have a few amount of users how was the growth in that first from zero to 20k like that first year can you tell me about like was it very steady right from the beginning or or was there any plateaus or or tell me about getting to that first like i imagine getting the first 3k was probably pretty tough we were cash flow positive in the first month you know, oh, like you okay. yeah. once we officially, I mean, for us, it's like the company really didn't start until June um, uh-huh. because June of everything was, 
Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so, and that's when we officially had, you know, a business account and were set up properly. So in that first month, we were already profitable. And then it at, was at about, about 10%. At about what, like a thousand? Was it about a thousand dollars the first month yeah. or so? Okay. Yeah. And okay, then great. about 10% month over month, we grew. So it was pretty steady. Steady. Eh? For, Absolutely. Steady. Okay. Okay, great. And so steady. How long was it before you set up the blog that you moved from posting in Facebook groups to the blog that was sort of contributing in? I imagine that took a while for that to kick in the content mm -hmm. marketing. Yeah, we actually changed the whole website completely. Um, the first website was just really a landing page with a free trial button. Yeah. And then in January of 2018 was when I redesigned the website and built out multiple pages and um, including the blog that that okay. was yeah 2018. So tell me about 2018 then you grew it from 20,000 to to about what because you sold in 2019 correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And how was that going from 20,000 to 50,000? Was it still just steady 10% like growing? It was it, we, we didn't see a dip at all. Um, really? Okay. And I, I think a big contributing factor to that was that the teachers had also become referrers for this English okay. company. So they were very incentivized to bring more teachers on to the VIP kid platform. Cause you gave them a discount or something. No, this, this wasn't actually to do with feedback Panda. This was just oh, okay. teachers were given, I think it was $50 for every new teacher that okay. became a VIP kid teacher uh, and taught their first class. And they were incentivized to train them and how to, to do this work as well. So they would also just say, and you better get feedback Panda. So they were okay. already working for as refers to our product before we okay. really incentivized that happening. And VIP kid was going through a huge uh, growth. You know, like I said, from, I think at the end of 2017, they were at 10,000 teachers and then they grew to 70,000 teachers, which is just. Why didn't they incredible. just put, put in this feature? Uh, VIP kid, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like it was a big problem. It, it seems to me like the reason that this product was so successful is because VIP kid had this huge problem that they weren't addressing and that you were able to address. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. And I'm yeah. really glad that they didn't solve this problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How much of your customers were from VIP kid roughly? Would you say like 70% when you were at 50K? Even 80, I would say closer 80, to 80%. Okay. So it was really, it was like you stumbled into this platform that was really sounds like, what, was it just old or something or they just weren't developing? A VIP kid? Is yeah. that what you mean? So they yeah, are yeah. also, they're pretty new actually. Uh, 2015 is when they started. Um, uh -huh. So I think they just had focus on other things. They right, were okay. really heavily focused on the student experience and selling okay. to the you know students and that they yeah. weren't as concerned in building out the teacher experience. So okay. that's where we came in. So yeah, that's great. What was your cost as a teacher to be on VIP Kid? Did they just take a percentage of each class transaction or what was their it business was, model? You were paid per class that you taught. 
Okay. So there was no like commission that you had to pay for the platform. You okay. were so the students would pay them, and then they would pay you, presumably per each class, per class, or hour or exactly.、Whatever. Yeah. Okay, I see. So the big question for me then is, why did you sell? It sounds to me like it's growing, and you know, I mean, fifty-five k's. You know, presumably now you might be at a hundred. Why did you sell? Well, we were at an inflection point.、Mm-hmm. We, and I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but Arvid is also my partner. He's my boyfriend, and、yeah. we were working very closely on this project for the last two years. And you know. When I started teaching English as a second language, it was really out of financial need. I needed to pay off、mm-hmm. loans. I had no assets or anything like that, and so growing this company to fifty-five thousand MRR, paying off my student loans, it was incredible. It was thrilling. I learned so much, but、um, all of a sudden, it felt like we're not diversified. We have all of our asset. We have one asset, and it's this company. And、mm. how are we going to, you know, it, it started to feel risky, and of、mm. course everybody has a, a different risk tolerance. I think、uh, mine is even higher than Arvid's,、um, mm-hmm. but we weren't really considering selling until we started to get emails from potential acquirers who were just interested in what the company was doing and if we were kind of. Ready to have a conversation about selling, and the more we started to think about that, and the phase of the business that we were in, we were past the initial phase of you know getting traction. We were in the growth part of、mm-hmm, of the business.、Mm-hmm. So if we hadn't have sold, then we would have brought in、uh, people to you know we would have started to hire. So that we could elevate our positions in the company as well. Yeah, I think it was just a personal decision, really, where we thought we would like to have a SaaS and do this again, but maybe not.、Um, yeah, just diversify more. And it was starting to creep in this kind of scarcity mindset, which is never. Healthy. I think it's always、mm. more healthy to operate out of this. You know, there's abundance, and we know where this is going. You were feeling like, oh my gosh, all this, everything. What happens if something changes in the market? We could get wiped out. Was that starting to happen or show at all? I mean, was growth slowing or? No, no, it it wasn't, wasn't starting to happen.、Reasons. It was、no. just kind of an imaginary. What if a VIP kid would build out the teaching part of their platform, or you know, the、mm-hmm. competitors came, and so yeah, that was just.、Um, and for us personally too, we were hoping to move to Canada and having you know a big injection of capital to make that happen was also attractive to us to make、okay. that shift. And so there were multiple reasons. That、right. contributed is, to it. Do you ever regret? I mean, I, I hate asking that question, but do you, <laughs> do you,、uh, do you ever think back, like, oh wow, I wish we'd held on to it, or not at all? It was just like, was we used the information、uh, that we had at that time, and we made a decision. Um, I would say I oscillate between those two things. There's a lot of. I, I really did go through a period of mourning the business and. 
and after maybe less so the, the, like during or what was after we sold after we sold okay yeah yeah there was and and maybe it was less so the business but more of this community of teachers that mm -hmm. we were helping there was so much purpose in what we yeah. were doing and and how we were helping the teachers so so that i felt left a bigger hole than i i really was prepared for or really mm -hmm. thought of before we sold um mm -hmm. but i don't regret it i mean of course no you, you no. kind of think of oh what would i be doing during the pandemic and how you know the pandemic has changed just online everything <laughs> everything is online well, yeah. these days that's right and that's you know right. i i think about that but um for our listeners some people that are thinking maybe they're at the point where they're at that uh stage they're at fifty thousand, and i'm guessing you guys sold for a three to f what can you tell me what sort of multiple that you sold at Unfortunately, I can't. I can tell you that we're very happy with the <laughs> the amount that okay. we got with it okay. for it. But uh, but no, I'm not able. A to, any to lessons suppose. that you can give to our listeners that are at that time? Maybe they're thinking about. So, what would you say lessons learned were for that process of selling? Of selling, yeah, I guess be really clear on why why you're at this point and why mm -hmm. you're you're ready to sell. Um, and it's also would be helpful to think about what do you want to do next? You know, if it's a great reason to sell, if you're already thinking about the, like looking over the hedge and, and wondering what other SaaS you should be working on or have ideas mm -hmm. about that. And, and also I think the way we structured the business side of Feedback Panda, it was really quite simple to transition you know, we had a lot of processes in place. We were a two-person company. So we optimized as much as we could before we needed to really hire anyone. So if you build up your company that way, you could really be prepared to hold it for a long time or sell. Mm -hmm. and, and both situations could be quite simple. Right. What were some of the um, aspects of the company that the buyers found the most interesting about the way you would set it up or about the, the company? Presumably, was it was it a strategic uh, purchase for them? So, was Swift Sure Capital? Yep. It was. Sure Swift so they has were already in the other space. educational products on their portfolio. Okay. They serve teachers. And this was a, a big reason why we ended up selling to them in particular, because, you know, I trusted that they understood teachers yeah. and their needs. So it was mm -hmm. strategic, but they also said that our business was one of the most optimized businesses they've seen. You know, we, in the early days, you know, about four months into running Feedback Panda, Arvid and I sat down, we mapped out, you know, 52 positions we thought the company had, and then divided the company 50-50, you know, Arvid did 50% of the positions and I was in 50% of the others. And um, we kind of just filled up from the bottom up, you know, we, um, our customer support, we used a lot of intercom, chatbots, knowledge base, really optimizing that customer support aspect. Mm -hmm. We built our own dunning system. So if people were defaulting churn, right? on their, yeah, for well, for, yeah, for like the delinquent churn. 
Okay. That was important, you know, because we were based in the EU, a lot of the American credit cards would get blocked. So I always had to send a message. Can you please call your bank and let them know that you're expecting this payment? Um, and some people would have to do that monthly. So this dunning system that we built in just to our product was really helpful. Uh, we had, you know, the admin panel built so that I could do a lot of the technical support that otherwise I would have needed Arvid to help me out with and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So you sold the company. How was the sale? Was there anything that you can tell our listeners about the structure of the company? What was it, a, a German company or what was it? So SureSwift is uh, based in the United States. They okay. are yeah, a private equity company with a portfolio of bootstrap SaaS. They okay. specifically look for bootstrapped SaaS and yeah, that's that's their their business. It's fine for because it's just an asset sale that they just bought the assets and moved from Europe over to their company. So what came with it was the customer list and the all the source code and everything like that. The customers and it was exactly. from the user's perspective, it was probably pretty seamless, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. your users they probably you just sent out an email and they probably didn't even notice. You probably stayed on for a month or two afterwards for the transition. Yeah, there was a transition time. And yeah, really our customers, the only thing that they would have noticed is that emails were coming from somebody new and support. It was different faces on the support desk. Okay. And you didn't move to Canada. How come? It's been a tough year to, to make yeah, any changes COVID, in this eh? regard. Got um, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that but it's still is our plan. Is that sort of, it's still in the plan. You've yes. got the, you've got a nice seed now for moving over there. Exactly. Is Arvid working now? Arvid is prolifically, he's uh, writing on the bootstrapfounder.com. Uh, okay. He's writing blogs every week, sending out a newsletter and also wrote a book called Zero to Salt. Okay. And it goes from the journey of starting Feedback Panda, all the different phases that we found ourselves in, in the business and okay, selling. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is that book published now or is it coming out? Yep. It was self-published in July. Okay, so, good. We'll put a link in. Zero to sold, right? Yes. Yeah. And the audio book okay. is actually going to be coming out any day now. Okay. It's in the pipeline. Zero now. to sold. Okay, great. So we'll put that in the show notes. Great. Well, that's so exciting. Any other SaaS ideas that, you're, that you can tell us about that you're working on now? Not yet. No, I'm still no. uh, still looking. Yeah. What are you looking for now? Are you looking for a repeat? Like, are you looking for some massive software that has masses of users that you can sort of come in and do a repeat on Feedback Panda? What do you look for now when you're looking for SaaS ideas? So I look for two things, a group of like a community of mm -hmm. people that I would want to, to help. And then I look for problems that need to be solved. Of course. Yeah. I think that that's exactly what we were doing. In guidelines on communities? I mean, are we talking Facebook communities? So you would join like any of our listeners that want to sort of repeat that process. You would look for uh, a community of say 30,000 on Facebook join and then kind of just look for problems or how are you looking for problems? That's a very interesting strategy. I didn't think of that. 
but I was thinking more about, I mean, with Feedback Panda, it was online English teachers teaching Chinese kid English online, living in the United States. It was so specific. Yeah. So I think the thing that it could be is if I look at myself, if I, you know, look at what communities I'm a part of, it would be expats or, you know, people who've moved abroad speaking English, but, you know, musicians or gig workers, you know, what are the gaps in being able to get your visa in Berlin or, you know, what problems mm -hmm. are unique to this specific person? Maybe it's just nostalgia. Maybe I just want to get cookies from or maple syrup. <laughs> I'm getting maple yeah, syrup from yeah. Canada. And how can I solve this mm -hmm. problem for Canadians living around the world? You know, like looking yeah. at the communities that I'm a part of and what makes okay. me unique. I think that's okay. a good place to start. So too. it's more suited to your personalities is sort of something that you can relate to. It's more about the community that you could come in and help. Is that what you're saying? It definitely helps if you know already a lot about that the, person's the, unique situation avatar yeah. yeah yeah okay great good well we're getting close to the top of the hour danielle i really appreciate your time how can anyone get a hold of you if they want to ask you more about the process or anywhere that you want our listeners to to go to after the show yeah you can uh get in touch with me on twitter i'm at simpson danny k simpson d-a-n-i-k and okay. uh, and then my website is simpsondanielle.com. What are you doing on your website? Are you blogging about the um, process as well? or So I have been uh, mentoring other founders, you know, other small business owners. And yeah. um, well, not on this website, but okay. for this website in particular, it's really just a landing page and inbound for anybody who wants to schedule a call with me. Perfect. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much, Danielle. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <laughs>